You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Making of a Marketer, the podcast that takes you around the world of marketing one topic at a time. Hosted by digital marketing consultants Jess Nickerson and Andy Pondillo. We welcome you to join the conversation. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Now here are your hosts, Jess and Andy. We are live once again on The Making of a Marketer. Jess and Andy here with you for a very special episode. And Jess, you know, it's a little earlier in the day than we usually do. So I I decided I was going to surprise you with something today. And this might be a new concept. We're going to see how it goes depending on when we start recording these. But do you know how people, they do these podcasts and they'll have like different beers or whiskeys or different things that they try? No, I'm not doing that, but I got my coffee today. So I'm going to do a live podcast while drinking coffee. But I thought it'd be an interesting idea to start, you know, basically sampling new coffees during the podcast. We just have to keep it early enough so I'm not up all night. I love it. I mean, I have my I have my water and I actually have my matcha as well. Very so nice. you and I are on the same page. So what we could do is we could talk about what we're having while we do the podcast and kind of like, you know, you know how they take breaks. And I talk about like, you know, the type it is, the texture, things like that. I mean, I'm very basic today is Dunkin' Whole Bean. I mean, you can't go wrong with that, but I do mix it up every now and then and get fancy. So but we'll see how coffee Andy does through this podcast. But with that, let's get to our important um, segment of the podcast. And it is Earth Day coming up this weekend. So we have a special episode to celebrate Earth Day. You see Jess's background. It's green. And Jess, you brought on a special guest today to help us talk about sustainability, Earth Day, everything around that and how brands can get into that conversation. Conversation. So I'm going to shoot it over to you for the introduction and really excited to learn some things today. Yes, we have got Stacy Takuchi and I am so excited. Andy, Stacy is the, or my OG LinkedIn partner and friend. And I I have learned so much from Stacy. I am so inspired by Stacy. In fact, have any of you ever read the book The Challenger Sale? Uh, if not, I recommend it for your your book list. But the the Challenger sta- Sale is essentially Stacy. In a nutshell, <laughs> she is like one of the most effective people that I know, and she 
does such an amazing job sharing her perspective, her experience, her point of view, and framing it in a way that will benefit the customer, benefit whoever she's speaking with. Like, what are they missing out on and why they need to do something to enhance their their brand, their their organization, grow their business, et cetera. So Stacy, we got Stacy. I, I feel like I'm I feel like uh, I, I'm in the 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 marvelous Mrs. Maisel. There was an episode <laughs> where they got the rabbi for Passover dinner and it's like, yes, we've got Stacy today and so excited. Welcome Stacy. We are so happy to have you here. Jess, can I start every day like that, please? <laughs> that was incredible. Um, thank you. I am thrilled to be here. I'm honored to be here. Um, when you reached out, I said yes immediately because there is nothing I wouldn't do for you. You are a true, wonderful friend and former colleague. And I am just like overjoyed to be talking to you today. And coffee, Andy, cheers. Forgot my uh, fair trade B Corp coffee here, which we will talk about, I think, as we go through this this conversation. But um, yeah, I'm just thrilled to be here. Thank you all for inviting me and looking forward to the conversation. Most definitely. We're always open to talk some coffee, so we'll be hitting on that. Uh, <laughs> Stacy, again, the founder and CEO of Swagger, former LinkedIn, and very cool story to uh, hear from, you know, you and Jess's OG members, like Jess, you're one of my OG members of LinkedIn. So, you know, like it's just like full circle metaverse right here. Um, but we will kick off with the questions here. Just a general question. We want to start with you, Stacy. We ask all of our guests this. It's a interesting time in marketing, of course, uh, recessions, AI, different things happening all over the marketplace. It impacts all of us, but we still have to find a way to be creative. So, what is your method right now to get unstuck creatively, whether it be in the office or outside the office? Yeah, I love this question. This is something that Jess and I share also. Um, I love to walk. I'm a walker. I want to walk everywhere. Um, my walking kind of started in earnest in 2020 with, I think, a lot of people, you know, getting out of the house, um, getting some fresh air, just trying to get some space. Um, and it was really transformative for me in terms of being a way to unlock in my mind, um, if you will. So it's something that I've come back to time and time again. I think when we feel stuck creatively, a lot of times it's because we're trying to power through. Uh, we're trying to just keep going. You know, I, I have a tendency to, you know, it's a lot on my plate. I'm like going to get it all done. I'm going to power through. Um, and you get so stuck, right? Like you get to this place where you're just not effective at all. I get myself outside. I get up, change of scenery. I go for a walk. Sometimes I'm listening to a podcast. There's a million wonderful ones out there. Maybe it's yours. Um, there's so many good ones that kind of inspire me and help me to think differently. Sometimes it's music, sometimes it's nothing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, a walk is, is it for me. It, it, walking was where I actually started and kind of shaped swagger too. So I love that. And that used to be such a part of my regimen. That's something that is kind of a big thing that I want to get back to in 2023. So I did a move and I used to live in, you know, kind of hipster central area of Pittsburgh around the techie areas, very walkable district, 
And then we went out to the suburbs a little bit. And we basically live off the side of a cliff right now. So it's like harder to walk. And that's been a big thing is like I have to drive to the park, but then the park's only two minutes away. So I can drive there and walk during the day. It's not unfathomable to do. So that's that's great advice and just a great reminder. You know, I think it's great to clear your head, get some air, some vitamin D. You know, that's something that, you know, if I sit on this computer for too long, I start getting stale. So I'm trying to get back more into that. And it's happy to hear somebody else talk about it. So let's jump into our core questions. And again, our theme this week is Earth Day coming up. So naturally, if you're on the LinkedIn feed, social media, any of these digital channels, you're seeing green emblems, you're seeing world emojis, you're seeing the marketing sphere kind of really take, you know, a grip on Earth Day. And I think we see a little bit more of it each year. Um, we're definitely one of them. I told Jess, as I said, we should do a green um, neon light for our logo for this week. So we did it. We got into the, the conversation. But, you know, Stacy, I know that you know sustainability is much more than just Earth Day. It's it's really a big picture thing that companies have to, you know, really commit to. So let's just start with the simplest of all questions is how do you define, define sustainability when it comes to branding? Yeah, so sustainability at its simplest form is really the concept of utilizing our resources in a way that ensures they're going to be available for future generations. It's that cyclical concept of like, we're, you know, we're not taking more than our share. Um, when we think about it in terms of business and really the the way that people approach it now is with the kind of this three pillar concept of balancing people, profits, and planet. So when we can nail that, when we can nail that balance, um, we're really, we're really doing a good job with sustainability. When we think about it in terms of swag, we talk about um, branding. What we like to say is what you put your logo on matters. It's really important because it is a reflection of your company. Um, so thinking about how are we using our branding? What message are we trying to say? What feeling are we trying to evoke? If, if that's content, if that's, you know, whatever brand strategy that is, product can be a, a really significant impactful part of that when it's done, when it's done well. And that leads us into you starting Swagger. So that is a big part of what you do is you provide, you know, swag for companies that are sustainable. So can you talk about how you've utilized these principles and merged it over to starting this company and, you know, how it's going so far? Yeah. So the the roots of this are, you know, oh, actually, I think Jess may even remember um, we were we were at a client meeting. Uh, we were at Google. Um, we loved them. Great client, open to creative possibilities, always wanting to collaborate. So we loved going to meeting them with them in person. And one time we thought, well, let's bring them some swag. And so we did. We loaded up our things, you know, grabbed our stuff, went to our meeting, offered it up. And our client partners were like, oh, yeah, no thanks. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Is that embarrassing or what? Right. They didn't want it. Um, the next meeting we brought in an out burger. So that, that was a much more popular <laughs> gift. But, um, you know, as I started thinking about the company that I wanted to start, I had that memory, you know, really front and center. 
And I thought there is a better way to do this. How can we make swag cool again? That's the thing that kept coming to me. And, and cool was not just one layer. It was really about design, thoughtful design. How are we doing this in a way that, you know, we're not making people walking billboards. Like they want to wear, like they want to keep you're going to spend your money on branding something. You want it to be front and center, right? In front of your customer, in front of your employee, building brand loyalty. So the purpose is to keep it in front of them and make it useful. So if we're making it cool, we're thinking about the way we're designing it, and we're giving people things they like, really nice quality, brands that give back, um, brands that are sustainable inherently, brands that are lifting up diverse makers. So how can we think differently about it? So that was kind of core. Um, I also really wanted to have a give back component to the company that I was creating. Um, so we can talk about that in a minute, but that that was a really important part of it. So, you know, we identified early on before we even launched a partnership with 1% for the planet, which is an environment that, or I'm sorry, an organization that helps companies give back essentially 1% of your sales. So the beginning of Swagger, sustainability was front and center from, from the very start. And I just have to say uh, what I love about your story, Stacy, is the fact that, again, you used your experience, you used all of these conversations with your clients, with your customer to like develop a deeper understanding of what they like, what motivates them, what they really need. And you, you uncovered an opportunity and we've talked about that all the time, but for, for the entrepreneurs out there, it's just like making these observations and really just trying to understand like, Oh, I wonder what this means. Like, you know, you saw them take an action and you're like, Ooh, this, this means something. And then you, you created an opportunity. Yeah. Well, and I think to your point, Jess, about challenger sale, that mindset, like thinking about how, like, you know, I don't have a problem saying to somebody like, this is what you should do. Right. I have an opinion. I think it's important. Um, I like to guide or, you know, maybe I just like to tell people what to do, but I think that when you're in a position where you are helping clients spend money and you can challenge them to think differently about how they're spending that money, like you could spend money on stress balls that are going to end up in a landfill. But what about if you actually take that money and you buy products from, you know, these makers or people that are giving back in these ways like that? I love that. So helping help challenging those companies to think differently is so important. And I love that comparison. You know, that's something, you know, we think about with a lot of larger companies is they have certain things they just do. And I coming from the agency world, there is a lot of times we work with partners and they say, hey, this is just something we spend money on. We just do it. The common one, you know, going into another sphere is we just run TV commercials. Like this is the template. We just run it. It's a write-off. We have to check the box and say we did it. I love Stacey, you're talking about challenging those companies to, to think about it, you know, and partnering with Swagger, it, it puts a little bit of the brain power on your side, right? Where they partner with you, you can guide them and get them a sustainable product that they can use. And really, we talk about just sustainable Earth Day. When I was in agency world, this is something that would come up a lot. 
And we would see larger companies sinking millions of dollars into changing their brand statements and going to these big brand agencies to start changing the way that they're thinking. So it definitely, the three Ps that you said at the beginning, I love that. That's that's going to be our short form video cut when we cut up the, the podcast with some of our social media posts. So just another way of thinking about it, I think sometimes that just hearing your voice coming from a marketing world, so you know where those pivots are, where there's a solution you can enter, you know, enter your expertise is a great way just to start getting companies to think about it. Yeah. So let's talk about sustainability at Swagger. So you make sustainable swag, of course, we're making it cool again, but how does it fit into your company's strategy overall? Yeah, so it's really woven into everything that we do. And I think that's so important. So we have kind of three key pillars or differentiators that we um, we focus on. And um, so I'll share just briefly about how can we think about that and how sustainability is part of it. So the first is our partners matter. And to us, that's really kind of what I just talked about, that unique position that we're in to be able to um, put products in front of our clients to use their buying power to lift up um, other makers. So when we think about balancing people, profit, planet, and being sustainable, yes, we want to put those eco-friendly water bottles in front of people. We want to use products that are made from recycled materials, but we also want to use companies that are producing products ethically, that are fair trade certified, that are reducing carbon emissions, that are from a an underrepresented, you know, a minority uh, maker. So we take kind of that concept of sustainability, those three pillars, we weave it into all of that. So our partners matter who we're putting in front of you to say, buy this person's stuff, put your brand on this, um, that we take really seriously. Um, the second pillar is our swag gives back always. So of course we give back through our partnership with 1% for the planet. We have done that since day one. Um, it is, it's so important to us to be able to have um, kind of everybody understand that regardless of the swag that you buy, um, it's going to give back because we've made that commitment on your behalf. So when we can take a product that's sustainable, already gives back, maybe it already is a 1% for the planet member company. We are too. It's like double whammy. We love that. Um, and then three, our third pillar is global distribution. And the way that we really think about that, you have to be so aware of how you're distributing product globally, um, when you are a sustainably minded company. So we really take um, care to think about how our, what we're the product in. So curbside recyclable materials, compostable materials, um, you know, using paper tape, it's a simple thing, but it's really important. <clears throat> um, and then neutralizing our carbon emission footprint. I love it. This is like thinking about every step along the way. And when you got into this, was this something that you knew? You knew all these steps had to be sustainable? Or is this something that you learn over the course of time? And it's just a, a constant <laughs> adjustment learning? Yeah, that's a great question. I didn't know all these things. And I still don't know all the things, right? So it's so important to continue to push myself, to continue to learn um, every single day, you know, every single day. So I think to be a, a business that has a, a sustainable, um, you know, a, a value proposition that really values sustainability, you have to be open to learning more, challenging yourself, 
being under a microscope. So if you're going to say you're sustainable, you got to be, you got to be walking the talk, you know, you've got to really do it. Um, and so you have to be willing to put yourself under that microscope microscope. You all have to be willing to um, have some hard lines. Um, so for us, if someone comes to us and says, and, and this has happened guys, um, oh, we don't really care. We just need it to be cheap. Mm, we, sorry, but we do care. You know, So <laughs> we're not going to make a, a plastic stress ball. It's just not going to happen. Um, and we, we have to tell people no sometimes. So hopefully we can convince them um, of the other things, you know, the other options, the other things that they should, that they should choose. But um, if we're not able to do that, we, we do, we do turn down projects. I love this comparison too, Jess. This is something that I think that you and I deal with when we're consulting at LinkedIn is sometimes we say yes, sometimes we say no. My common phrase is when people come to me and they're like, we want cheap leads on LinkedIn. And my my the way that I usually explain this, maybe not as much client facing, but more just kind of having fun and talking facing is you can have Facebook, which is Walmart, it's a wholesale product, cheap leads, you get all kinds of stuff. They're good at what they do. Like we're not going to deny it. Or you can get the premium service LinkedIn at Target, which is a little bit better quality. It's probably going to last you a little longer, might, you know, have a, a bigger footprint. But, you know, something to where I think being able to stand by who you are as a brand and then sustainability, here's a, a great example. Stand behind, you know, what you sell, what your product is, what your brand statements are and not budge because, especially in the times we're in right now, Jess, I love your thoughts on this. It's very easy to budge as a brand because you're trying to get that quick sale. Absolutely. That is exactly what I was going to hit on. It's, it's, and we've heard this before from some of our other guests, but it's really staying true to your value proposition, staying true to your personal values as well. So Stacey, I love that you're, you're pointing out that, you know, if, Sometimes things aren't a good fit. And I I hate to use the word fit, but if it's not true to what you need to do and what you represent as a company, then you need to think of another option or move on or come up with a different solution. So I love that. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's quality over quantity. And that's a term people use a lot, but it's it's really applicable. It's applicable to a lead. Would you rather have a quality lead or a bunch of just leads that you have to sift through? It's more expensive for you at the end of the day, right? To sift through those poor quality leads than spending a little bit more money to get that quality, you know, um, more uh, warm, warmer lead, right? So in, in terms of like that concept, but the same thing applies to um, branded product as well. And what we've seen is people will connect the quality of the product that you're giving them to your brand reputation. So do you want to give people junk and be thought of as a lower level company? Or do you want to be giving people something that's useful, that's creative, that's thoughtful, and have those, those brand attributes connected to who you are? That's a great segue because we do have some questions here about brands and we would love your expertise because, you know, it's come up occasionally in, in conversations we have with clients about sustainability. And I'm not going to lie, I'm still kind of learning it, you know, as, you know, a company brand statement and how it runs through all these different um, centers. It's something that I want to try to pick up on this week is Earth Day comes around. There's no better time to start learning and, and adjusting. But 
if you're trying to champion this to a stakeholder and they're on the fence a little bit, how do you champion a sustainable strategy, you know, as a brand to try to move forward? Maybe not for 2023, but you can get started right now for 2024. Yeah, yeah that's, that's such a good question. Um, you have to come with facts. So we do know that sustainability is, it, it, there's a case, a business case for it. So talking about the why behind that, what it is. And what we really find is that in the consumer space specifically, millennials and Gen Z are, they're a force to be reckoned with. They really want to see um, a move towards conscious consumerism. So really thinking about where the product's coming from, how are those products being made, how are how are those um, companies giving back? And so what we see kind of in corporate America is this, this bigger push from the, those generations to potentially what is maybe um, a boomer generation of holding budget, making decisions. Um, so so the, the best way I think to then influence those stakeholders is through education, helping them understand how, how does this impact our bottom line? What does it mean to be sustainable? And what are some of the easy things that they can do to take steps in the right direction? And it's definitely more than turning your logo green, right? That's right. <laughs> I, I kind of just laugh at that from the social media world. We're all guilty of it. As, as a former social media manager, we're all guilty of uh, doing some things around holidays and different seasons and whatnot that aren't really walking the walk, but you know, we follow the trends. Final question, Stacey. Um, in addition to Swagger, do you have some top sustainable um, startup companies for us to watch out for, you know, companies that are out there walking the walk, doing it right now that that are on the rise? Yeah, there there are so many, so many good ones. And I think that's really fun to see. There are so many uh, startups that are in this space and people doing great things, a couple that I love. So um, I'm just going to use my clients because of course, why would I not shout them out? And um, so a few, a few people. So first and foremost, I'd say Ascent Compliance. Ascent Compliance is a software company um, out of Canada. Um, they focus on sustainable supply chain management. So why would I, why would I talk about them? I love them because they're a B Corp certified company. B Corp certified companies are truly balancing those three pillars. They have a very high level of certification that they have to go through to get that you know, kind of get that certification process that they go through. So the thing about them that I love is they are walking the, they are walking the walk, talking the walk, walking the talk. You guys know what I mean? They're doing it. Uh, so they're helping other companies doing it, but they're doing it too. Um, and a software company that's B Corp certified, it's amazing. Another company that I love, and they're a true, true startup. They're really just getting started. They're called Carbon Direct. Carbon Direct helps companies identify not only the neutralization of your carbon footprint, but how do you help remove carbon from the environment? So they're even working with people like Microsoft um, to say, hey, we want to, yes, we want to be carbon neutral, but we want to go a step further. We want to take our carbon, we remove carbon. So they're a team of 30 scientists, really big brains, awesome people, very cool company. I love them. Um, if I have time, can I shout out a couple of our our product partners that we love? Yes, go okay. for it. Yeah, good, good. Um, so Marine Layer, do you guys know Marine Layer? Marine Layer is a, a San Francisco-based apparel company. Um, they're one of my favorites um, to 
suggest that our clients, you know, use as uh, branded apparel. Um, I love them because they are also B Corp certified. They use a very high level of recycled materials in their products. They will take in your t-shirts um, and use those to make new ones. <clears throat> Um, and they really think very, they're very thoughtful about the production of their products from start to finish. So they're fantastic. Um, Mirror Drinkware, they're out of Seattle, is another amazing product. Um, I call them a triple threat. So they're B Corp certified, which we love. They're a 1% per, for the planet member. So they're always giving back. And they have um, a clean water charity. They're incredible. Um, one more client, not a startup. But for people that are really trying to, to um, identify a gold standard, this is an inspiring story. So when you think about a company that could potentially just be doing business the way they have always done it, um, this is not them. They were founded in 1929, but they are now the leader in sustainable thinking. It's Unilever. So for those of you that don't know, they share a lot of their information um, online about how they're, they're working to be a more sustainable company. They're a, a client of ours. We had to go through a very stringent process to become an approved partner. Um, and they have a goal to spend $2 billion with diverse suppliers by 2025. That's really thinking sustainably. People, planet, profits. I love it. So I'm going to listen back. I'm going to write these down and we're going to start following these companies because, you know, what you're putting out there on Swagger right now, I'll just, of course, scanning your website, looking at the social media. I've learned stuff real quick. And then, you know, if we start following these companies as people in the marketing sphere, we can learn something, you know, across the board about, you know, what's being put out there and how we can improve our strategy. So that that was wonderful, Stacy. Right. Yes. Thank you, Stacy. Just again, just just blowing our minds here yes. with <laughs> with yeah, what you're doing, and for our listeners not out there, if you're not using Swagger, what are you thinking? I mean, seriously, the the, the products that are being featured, just beautiful design. Congratulations, Stacy, on your success and continued growth. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, it was a pleasure to talk with you guys today. And yeah, I'll share some um, like resources and articles and stuff with you all so you can attach it to the podcast. So if people are curious about where some of these stats and information comes from, they'll have it. We love it. We'll definitely send those to us. We'll put it in our comment section for those who are listening live for some resources to follow up on. But it's been another another wonderful interview. And Stacey, just thank you again for joining the show. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. So another wonderful conversation, Jester. This is one for me, you know, some of the topics we've been, you know, hitting on lately. Like I always say, I don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. But I know a good percentage of certain topics. I've been there. I'm not going to lie. Sustainability We've used it as a buzzword in marketing meetings for places I've worked, but I've never actually done it. I'll be honest. I've never walked the walk in this world. And there's just so much I learned that Stacy has to monitor to, you know, really ensure that her brand is meeting those requirements. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, 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 I did not know I was naive to 
not knowing just like how deep this really goes. So, I mean, you, you absolutely cannot be a brand these days and say you're sustainable and, and not walk this walk and not really be true to that value. You know, and I, I think about it too. So we think about, it's interesting that I feel like the startup world is a little bit more into it in terms of walking the walk, at least. Of course, we're going to see all of our green logos any second now for major corporate companies. But just think about it, you know, let's put a challenge out there. I'll make up a number. They make, let's say, $20 billion a year in profit. You know, what Stacy mentioned was a $2 billion commitment, you know, so if you are think macro and commit to something long-term, you know, they're always, if you think with corporate companies, they always are involved in some sort of cause initiatives. There's a lot of reasons for it. I won't go into all the reasons. Some of them are good. Some of them have to do with taxes, but either way, they're always involved in something. And the data clearly shows, we'll review this in a little bit, that sustainable companies are being really sought after by the Gen Z population. Even millennials are making, you know, our old millennials are making decisions based on being sustainable. So I think there is a real business avenue to this. I think it's our corporate companies that could be the leaders of making it more and more mainstream if they are able to adapt because they would have the resources to do something big like this. Mm-hmm. And, and that's an important point that you bring up and that Stacy brought up as well. Like think again, thinking about your audience, what matters to them going deeper. And in this case, uh, these younger generations, like they they do care about making an impact. They don't want it to be fluff. It has to be authentic, yes. the value, the messaging. They they want to know that they are doing good yes. for the world. And, and let's think about this in a career conversation too. So let's put your your marketing hat on. You're now you know manager of a marketing department, director of a marketing department. And what we hear so much is things come down the pipe. We have to do it. I hear that a lot when I consult. I'm like, why do you have to do it? There's no rule that says you have to do any type of marketing at all. You know, you don't have to have a billboard. You don't have to have TV spots. My challenge is you should probably try to be in a lot of different places, but what is the purpose behind all of these places? What are you getting out of it? And what is that big message? If it's come visit us, we're great. That's not what <laughs> that's not what the audiences are looking for right now. They're looking for you to go a little deeper on that. And you know, there's a lot of different avenues you could take with this, but you know, sustainability does seem like an attractive avenue to take. And, you know, model your company out, uh, you know, off of it. But again, it's a lot easier said than done. But I think it goes back to, are we checking the box, you know, just to check the box? Or if you do wear this hat, you do want to make a splash. We're always talking about learning, growing, building a career. Something everybody says on this podcast is they have to keep learning to grow their career. Consistent. So take that chance in your career and try to, you know, you know, champion something like this because you can put your name on it and, and with the company as they grow, when you have something like that under your belt, it only ha- you know, only helps your growth too. Mm-hmm. And then again, putting it back on the customer. I, I know I sound like a broken record, always talking about this, but going back to gaining that deeper understanding of why is this meaningful to them? 
Mm-hmm. You know, and like you said, like challenging it, challenging the the formula. Why is it meaningful to them? What value are you providing them? Mm-hmm. And how is this going to benefit them? And that's when you can start unlocking these opportunities and doing things differently. And the good thing is if you've missed a mark, let's say that, you know, there was a trend and you just were too late to it, it's too saturated. You always get another chance in marketing. And I think that's what's great about it. There's chances that come about. So let's just talk about millennial marketing, for for instance. So millennials, I, I think all of us are in our 30s now. Maybe not. Maybe there's some in their late 20s. But either way, we're, we're not the kids, the young kids anymore. You know, we're the general consumer. We cross over a lot of different demos as millennial buyers. But you remember there was a time, and it feels like it was yesterday, where marketing wasn't done a certain way because our product didn't uh, attract millennials or our product isn't attractive to the younger crowd. This crowd doesn't spend money, whatever it may be. But there are certain signals that millennials were sending that this is what we want in our marketing. And eventually they're going to age up. So you can wait till they age up and you're behind to that point. Or you can start to tweak things a little bit and cater towards a buying group and steal that buying group essentially from your customers before they even maybe age up into it. So with Gen Z, I bring this up because Gen Z, we're talking about sustainable brands. There's a number from a study done in 2021, first insight survey, actually 2020. So this is a little dated, but still relevant now. Uh, 62% of Gen Z consumers prefer sustainable brands compared to 54% of Gen X, 39% of boomers. So probably not too surprising over that on that. Another stat with this, Gen Z is willing to pay more for sustainable products. 73% are willing to spend more on sustainable products compared to millennials, still at a high number, 68%. So we're seeing these polls, and I don't think it's, this is sustainability specific, but I think with Gen Z, they're very cause-driven. We know this. This isn't new news to anybody, but you still have time to get ahead of it because Gen Z, probably younger 20s right now, they're spending a little bit. Once they get into the mid-20s, 30s, they're spending a lot of bit. You can get ahead of it right now. Mm-hmm. And back to Stacy's point, do you want to be the brand that is purpose-driven, that it's making a e- meaningful impact with this 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 group or the brand that ends up in the landfill yeah <laughs> you don't end up in the landfill and yeah. you know, it's, it's something to i i've i have these uh, you gotta be careful who you have these conversations with it's usually more a one-on-one conversation we have more fun with it when i've worked with clients but i've had clients come to me and they're like andy we don't want this we're a boring brand uh, and they've literally said about their own company they know they're boring they want to be boring i'm, I'm like but why like, you know, the Ryan Reynolds meme that, that shows up or GIF where he has the, the medical mask on, he puts it, he's like, but why? That's how I feel. Like, nobody has to be boring. I know we're not all Coca-Cola or Disney World, but you can still spruce it up a little bit and have some sort of brand message and get outside the box a little bit. Like, you don't you don't have to go all in with it. You know, you don't have to change your brand overnight to try to do something like this but you know everybody should have some sort of cause like as a brand there should be something that is beyond your product that you believe in at this point i believe 
Mm-hmm. And, and that's actually a really great tactic, like when speaking about innovation and understanding your uh, customers at a, a deeper level, always, and even the challenger sale, like always ask why. Mm-hmm. Like, and you can go through a series of like, why five times? So if there's yeah. a response, why? 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 And then, yeah. I mean, then you're really, you're really getting somewhere and you're really then starting to understand, okay, what, what is motivating them? What are their behaviors? What are the observations mm-hmm. that I, I'm making or can make from all these whys? Yes. And I do that with my presentations. So, you know, if I have a, let's make up a number 63 slide presentation, I'll ask about why on every slide. And a lot of times it gets me down to like 48, you know, 45. So like, that's a a good tactic because what are we trying to get at here? Are we just fluffing something up or we, you know, is there like a, a real solution that we're trying to solve with this? That's, that's just good to ask as marketers. I do it in my sessions a lot now. Uh, where I just ask, what do you think? You know, why are we doing this? And, you know, not in a condescending way, but just ask the why. And sometimes Stacy hits on this along with a lot of our other guests is when you start to lose creative flow, you just start doing things. And I think that's what is a big battle right now in marketing is just to try to stop yourself from just doing things. So uh, another great conversation. I'm looking forward to Earth Day and seeing what some of the tactics are around the industry. I think it's always fun to watch. And, you know, uh, an, another thing that I just think is incredible, you know, we've talked to to Stacy and some of our other guests about this is how they've come from, you know, the marketing industry and whether they started their own company or they started their own side hustle being stand-up com- comedians, like, just different things that have spawned from doing this. And, you know, I don't, that maybe our other thing, Jess, is doing this podcast, but I don't know if I have another thing, you know? So it's like, it's just kind of cool to, to see this trajectory of how people have done things at a company, learned, 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 and then done something else that might be completely different, but is still in their wheelhouse based on their experiences. And we've talked about this before and where I think the differentiator is with uh, the the guests that we have featured is they not only, you know, produce the creative ideas or that, you know, they're they're generating the creative ideas, but they're actually taking action. Then they're actually going and doing and, and, and taking the risk, you know, taking that step. Because it's one thing just to start to use these tactics to unlock your creativity, which absolutely fantastic. I always recommend that. And then it's the the second thing to actually then take Mm -hmm. action and put yourself out there. And that's something that I think just let's take it to this like specifically social media world. It's, you know, near and dear to my heart, of course, being former social media manager is we've gotten so in love with data. And I love data. Don't get me wrong. I have to use data. We just use data with Gen Z to provide, you know, what we need in efforts to try to make a pitch for a sustainable strategy. But sometimes we're so married to it that we won't do anything unless we have some sort of data point that it tells us exactly how to do it. The thing is, there's no 
data point that predicts iOS 14 changes. There's no data point that predicts chat GPT changing our lives overnight. There's no data point that prepares you for the next recession because every recession is different from one another. They're not the same. This isn't 2008 again. It's something different now. So you have to be able to try things. And I think that as a manager, managers have to challenge themselves more and more to let their social media teams and just digital teams try things because it's the only way you're going to learn. Even if it fails, if you end up Let's say it's a small campaign. You blow $5,000 at a corporate company. It doesn't work. Those $5,000 that you blew or $5,000 worth of learnings that probably can yield exponential growth because somebody was able to learn something. And if you're a multi-million or billion dollar company, that shouldn't impact you that much. So I, I think that we just have to give ourselves the ability to, to try things and learn and I don't think there's any risk of trying to do a sustainability strategy. I think that there's only good that can come from it. Um, obviously, you want to make sure you walk the walk and don't start saying you're sustainable and ain't caught up. That's probably a risk. But just at least start talking about it and kicking the tires and, you know, using a sustainable cup instead of a plastic cup. Like, I don't I don't I just don't think there's like a huge impact negative for even trying this, but it might take a while till you get it there. Mm hmm. And I, I do get weary when I hear from customers or people that uh, we consult that they need more data. So if you're presenting them with a bunch of data and then they're asking for more, and to me, that is a sign of a lack of critical thinking. And again, just being able to take a few observations, a few pieces of data and creating a point of view and then testing mm -hmm. that point of view. Because yep. we, and again, we've talked about this before, but you won't be able to, to really unlock your creative potential to, to innovate your, your product service solution unless you're getting out there and, and, and testing and then using that test those learnings to then continue to iterate and evolve yes and creating and more data points but yeah it's just it's this lack of the critical thinking and like the fear of like just like taking that taking that leap because we don't want to fail yeah and you know it's it's like baseball is what i like to call it you <laughs> might fail seven out of ten times if you get three of them right and those three are really big it's a 300 batting average you're doing really good so you have to be able to, to take those risks. You know, the other thing with data, and this would be a good episode down the line for us to do, is to talk about it just throughout all the platforms, because Google's not going to be able to do what they used to do anymore. There's different things in place. It's not letting them do it. There's, I know, a slow rollout with analytics um, to what they're able to do that's going to get phased out. Um, obviously, iOS 14, that's well, publish what Facebook can and can't do anymore. If you go into the uh, EMEA regions over in Europe, I'm not going to pretend to understand, you know, a thousand percent of their laws and regulations, but it's a lot more strict than what it is here. We're, there's going to be a point we just aren't going to be able to have as good of data usage as we had maybe in, let's say, 2018. But that's that's okay. Things change. And we still have a lot of research uh, studies, some data that shows us what we can do to be successful. And sometimes I think that, you know, we look at 
Gen Z and big data around sustainability, I like those big picture data points. Like this is a big macro of what you could be doing rather than looking at, I need to run my video at six seconds versus running it at 10 seconds. I think if you have good content, a good macro North Star, you can always adjust that as you go, but it's that North Star that's going to carry you. Mm-hmm. But I have a good good thing to close this off on, Jess. So speaking of Gen Z, we were talking theme parks. You went to Disneyland. I went to Kings Island last weekend uh, for opening day. I got a crash course in the Gen Z on opening day. So uh, fiance and I went there, had a wonderful time. We had early entry. We rode rides in the rain. Then it got sunny. It was awesome. We got through basically all the big things by like maybe three o'clock. But we wanted to do some re-rides. So we started looping the park again. So four o'clock got more crowded, five o'clock got more crowded, six o'clock got more crowded. And at some point it was all teenagers. And I was like, wow, I was like, what just happened? There's so many teenagers around here. And, you know, like I said, I support Gen Z and, and definitely as they age up into consumers. But, you know, even myself as a teenager, a little bit louder, a little bit more jumping off rails, a little bit more you know, rough housing with each other. And I was like, wow, this is intense right now. There is a lot of teenagers. Park got really full. It was fun. We had a good time. But about seven o'clock, I was like, we have to get out of here. Like, I'm like elder, like 20 years of everybody here, and they're all running into me. So, but it was a lot of fun. I, you talked about a similar experience at Disneyland where it got to a certain point, it's like, whoa. So, Theme park industry, talk about marketing, alive and well in our different regions right now. I love it. <laughs> I love that we both had our theme park experiences in the last the last few weeks. And, Definitely. And can live to tell the tale. We can. You know, <laughs> we walked into a line, we got the fast uh, lane that they have over at Kings Island. Walked on a roller coaster, it had a posted wait of two and a half hours. But because we had the fast lane, we got on it in 10 minutes. So I felt uh, like VIP status there. But I also did feel bad for all the people that were waiting in kind of a tight-knit circle, just looping around in circles for two and a half hours to get on the ride. Andy, you know my opinion on this. I mean, that the the the, the premium service, uh, paying a little more to prevent the wait, that, yeah. that is the way. <laughs> that's it that's what you gotta do but i know we're at time now so we're gonna wrap up again a fantastic episode just sustainability i'm definitely going to be researching it over the next several days but we do have an episode next week we do have a master practitioner you know this is going to be near and dear to my heart of paid media so we're going to delve a little bit into brand to demand organic to paid what are those best practices in LinkedIn and, and beyond right now? So I'm happy to really go into that and, and talk about what we're seeing on the platforms right now when it comes to paid media. But till next time, Jess, it was wonderful once again, and we'll see you next week. Yes, and happy Earth Day. Happy Earth Day. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.